So hey there, welcome back to Accelerated Investor. I'm your host, Josh Cantwell. And today I have a great interview with Ryan Corcoran. Ryan is the founder and CEO of Specialized Property Group that primarily invests in the Northeast. So Rhode Island, Delaware, New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia area. Ryan originally started his investing career doing one single flip. Today, he's been able to purchase over $15 million worth of real estate. He owns over 200 units of multifamily apartments, and he's helped other investors purchase over $10 million worth of real estate. And Ryan's primary superpower that we talk about in this interview is finding great deals through off-market direct mail marketing. So not just single-family or residential properties, but multifamily, 15 units, 50 units, 100 units and up through direct-to-seller, off-market, direct mail marketing, and several other methods to buy discounted properties under market value without using realtors, without using brokers. And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about today. Uh, We're also going to talk with Ryan number two about his build-to-rent strategy and why he's doing more development. Number three, we're going to talk about Ryan's first experience in raising private money and why it's so important to be creative. And finally, number four, we're going to talk about some of the advice that Ryan would give his younger former self, the things that he did right and the things that he did wrong. And specifically, why when he got started out, he focused on far too many things in far too many niches and had way too much shiny object syndrome. So for those of you that are new to intermediate investors, this is a perfect podcast for you to listen to, to make your pivot from residential into multifamily. So here we go with Ryan Corcoran. So hey, Ryan, thanks for joining me today on Accelerated Investor. Thanks for jumping on the show and carving out some time. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Awesome stuff, Ryan. Ryan, so why don't we just kind of start, have our audience get to know a little bit more about you. Why don't you tell us about some of the projects that you're working on or some you know, passion projects. What are you working on today that you're most excited about? What's what's going on in today's market for your business? So really trying to pivot actually right now into something a little bit different. So we're really going into more development now. So we've got, uh, we're doing a seven triplex build uh, in a town out here in Taunton, Massachusetts. I'm looking to do some apartment building, some uh, to build, build to rent model. And then I'm also trying to acquire a restaurant franchise right now. So a little bit of a twist off of real estate. But yeah, trying to pivot a little bit towards a, a few other areas. I, my background comes from multifamily and, and buy and holds uh, in like that small, small, whatever, 5, 10, 15 unit range, trying to pivot into um, developing larger 50, 100 unit uh, properties like that. So we're, we're going to be starting a fund up pretty soon, a partner and I, and going that route. Love it. What, what was the impetus for the switch to get more into development? So a lot of what I do is direct to seller marketing, and that's where most of my leads come from. And I had this one guy call me back on a piece of land. It was it was two and a half acres. I had no idea what to do with it, um, but I had recently joined a mastermind, and this guy was developing real estate. And um, I brought the deal to him, and I said, "Hey, man, two and a half acres. I don't really know what to do with it. I've never bought just you know raw land before. Here it is." And he started digging into it, and he came back to me, and he was like, "Listen, man, we can fit twenty one units on here. How much can you lock it up for?" Uh, and so went down that road, ended up locking it up for 275 grand. And now, you know, now it looks like it's going to be a several million dollar net profit deal uh, when we're done with it. So um, that really got my wheel spinning to, okay, hold on a minute. If I can find all these multifamilies off market, what if I start marketing to, you know, just raw land and then doing development of, you know, whether it's land development, taking it all the way through to the construction process, but a lot of value can be created from 
just finding a piece of land and, you know, having the creativity to see what, you know, the best use for that land is uh, and going down that road. So I'm really trying to pick up speed on that because I, I just see a, a really large profit margin, but not only from a money standpoint, you're also building communities, right? I mean, we're putting in a subdivision, right? And it, so it's just, it's really cool. It's, it's a different, uh, different avenue and it's something that we're, we're trying to really hammer. Got it. Love it. How about the, the the triplex build to rent model? What does our audience, what should our audience know about that? What's attractive about that model? So this one, we're actually not going to build to rent, but w- what's attractive about it is that in the same square footage that you would put a typical single family house, so let's say if it's 7,500 square feet, you're essentially putting one building and splitting it into three condos with like a garage underneath. So you're, you're really increasing the density of the, of that living space increasing the profit per square foot. Now, if you were to do a build to rent model, it would, it could probably work with, with these, but in this specific town, you know, each one of these is selling for 500 grand. So it's going to be really difficult to get the rental numbers to work. But in terms of, from a sale perspective, 100%, that's the way to go on these, but we are looking for more opportunity. Like we have a 50 unit potential 50 unit apartment build in the same town, but further out on the outskirts zone differently, um, where we're able to actually build to rent model that and then try to essentially do a burr, but instead of buying it, we're, we're building it. Uh, and so then we'll be able to refinance out our money and, and then have uh, hopefully nothing left in it once we do that. But yeah. And, you know, new construction with very little long, you know, maintenance for the next. Correct. Years. To be honest, like that was once, once I saw this one start to get up and running and I started looking at my portfolio and I'm like, all these buildings are built in the 1900s. You know, the plumbing's old. The electric needs to be redone. The, the roofs are, it's just, everything is older. It's almost like a whack-a-mole. Like as soon as you like think you fix something, something else breaks. And it really cuts into your, your cash flow. Uh, and being up here in the Northeast, most of the buildings are built in the 1900s. And so when you, the multifamily layout out here, it's not, you know, like you go down to Florida, tons of 50, 100 unit apartment complexes built in the 80s, right? It's not like that up here. So up here, you have a lot of, choppy eight units, choppy 12 unit buildings that just really are a lot of maintenance. And so it looks really good on paper, but once you actually start to own them, it really starts to cut into that profit margin. So that another reason why we're super attracted to the build to rent model is, you know, you have deferred maintenance, you know, no CapEx for 10, let's say 10 years. Mm-hmm. The maintenance should be, uh, I don't know, hey, I locked myself out of my room, right? The, the, that type of stuff instead of, hey, the, I don't know, the plumbing's leaking underneath, right? So yeah, that's the pivot. So we'll see. Love it. Got it. And what about, is is there something about today's market that you see where those strategies are better suited for the market as we go forward? I mean, when I look at the market, I just had a great conversation with my one of my commercial brokers yesterday. And we agree that we think the peak of the market was July of 2021. We look back, that's when the market where there was the most money in the system, the economy was on fire. There was no war in Ukraine. Interest rates were super low. Everybody was liquid. And every time an apartment building came up for sale, there were, I mean, seven to 10 or 20 offers. Now, you know, that's pretty much been cut in half. Uh, you know, talking with brokers, the number of offers is, is, is cut down. The amount of bridge financing, there's less. There's obviously war in Ukraine. The cost of energy is up. Inflation's up. So is there anything about the market going forward that you think is beneficial to or helping you along with this decision to make some of these pivots? So in my personal opinion, I obviously can't see the future. So don't come back at me. It's, he's, you know, Brian said so. But um, so construction costs have been high for, a, for the last couple of years, right? Along with property values and all that kind of stuff. 
And so just based on just looking back in the past, when construction costs have gone up, real estate has also gone up. And when real estate prices sort of level out, come down a little bit, construction price also comes down a little bit. It's all supply and demand, right? And so my thought process with this is if I can lock up land right right now, get the engineering done, get ready to build in a, you know, in six months down the road, my estimate is that construction costs are going to start coming down. You know, as, as long as interest rates aren't back down to 2%, I, I don't see how can, you know, construction is going to go through the roof again. And so I, I'm trying to put myself in an opportune position where, okay, I've got these projects going, trying to time it where everything is becoming cheaper to, to build, essentially, uh, just widening that profit margin. So that's my take on the, on the whole new build section yeah. uh, side of it. So, and to me, the, the, the challenge is, right, I think if you're an infinite-minded thinker and you're owning assets for a long time, you know, and you're going to own them for seven, 10 years or longer, 20 years, 30 years. The short-term hiccup in the cost of debt is is not really a main driver. Like you could build that thing. It might even bleed some cash while it's under construction. You get into your first loan. But the idea of owning brand new real estate is very attractive, even if the cost of debt is more. And so we just have to get through this very you know kind of short term bump. I mean, interest rates historically are still lower than the average, right? Correct, correct. Oh, great. So it's just about do I really want to own this piece of real estate? And what I've been telling some of my consulting clients and people that I coach a little bit is that look, right now because the higher cost of debt, the less availability of bridge financing because it doesn't you know doesn't debt service coverage and there's just different mm-hmm. loan to values problems and things like that. There's actually less buyers in the market today. Now is a good time to actually really be very aggressive with offering and not being aggressive with offering a high price, but being aggressive about offering on a lot of buildings because yeah. there's less competition. Instead of having seven to 10 people to compete with, you're maybe competing with three or four. You know, it's it's funny just to sort of bridge off that. So I currently have like, I have eight flips that are just sitting on the market. They, they haven't moved. Like now, fortunately, I'm not over leveraged on them. So I'm not, you know, I'm not bleeding, but they're not moving. Right. And so that tells me that. Okay, number one, the amount of buyers has dropped. The demand for those specific types of properties are dropping. And so I was, you know, I was flipping everywhere, I was wholesaling everywhere, and it was going great, right? Until everything comes to sort of like this halt in this status quo. And so that's really that was another reason why I was trying to find the next avenue and sort of make that move. And so that's another reason why I was jumping into new development. Again, because these are all older properties. And in my perspective, when a market is on its downturn or it's just leveled out and there's more properties and, and less buyers, people are going to want higher quality, newer builds, less maintenance, a more ideal layouts, you know, a driveway, a two-car garage, right? All, all the things that people are looking for in properties that it didn't necessarily matter over the last couple of years. Yeah. The last couple of years, it was, okay, what can I afford and not get bit up by 50 grand, yeah. right? And so you could buy a junk two-family throw some paint in there and sell it for a hundred grand more. And I was, I was doing that. Right. And then, so now I've got, like I said, I got a couple of them sitting on the market that aren't moving. And so that's why I'm sort of just, I'm making that pivot to, okay, good locations, new assets that have low maintenance that are going to last a while that are always going to be in demand. Love it. Yeah. One of the, one of the traits I think of an elite investor um, and it's, it's a talk that I regularly give is number one is all about creating cash flow now. Right today, mm-hmm. right? Because ultimately that's what sets us free. Big income pops from flips and stuff like that. And even selling an apartment building, which I've done, made a million bucks or more. Yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, great. But 
that million bucks isn't coming in next month or that 50 Yeah, you can't stop. You can't stop, right? Yeah, right. exactly. So investing for cash flow now, whether it's new construction, new build, you know, build to rent, burr, you know, those types of things, or you know, buying some dirt to convert and then own or even refire, you know, those kind of things. Those are all different ways to create cash flow now. That's a mm-hmm. big trait of the elite investors that I've been around and really, really important. Uh, Ryan, help us understand from from this development now of taking the dirt and 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 building. What are some of the different income opportunities that are in that type of play? So if I'm a like if I'm a multifamily investor but never did new construction, or if I'm a residential investor never did multifamily, and I want to look at building, like what's in it for me? Like what's in it for you? Are there loan sponsorship fees? Are there acquisition fees? Like development fees? Mm-hmm. Tell me about that because. That is a way to build and not have to delay all of your income just for equity later or cash yeah. flow. Later. Yeah. Help us understand that. Yeah. Well, right. Because it takes, you know, 18 to 24 months for these things to get off the ground from acquisition to engineering all the way through until you're up and rented, right? So it's a long time. It's a lot of hemorrhaging capital until they're up and running. However, first of all, if you can find something under, under market value, First thing you can do is you can assign it or wholesale it, right? So that's number one, one way to make money. Second way is you have engineering done. You now have plans on it. So now you own the land and you have engineered plans. So you can sell, now, now it's worth, I don't know how much more, it's going to depend on the actual property, but now you can sell the land with, with the plans. The next step would be to get permits. If you have plans, permits, and the actual land, you can go sell that to an investor. So... There's a bunch of different ways that where if you're getting too far in that you can you can always sell because you've built up equity and nothing you have done so far has you haven't stuck a shovel in the ground yet. The next step would be land development. So you take the land, you get the engineering done, you get the permits, you get the approval from the town, and then you put let's say a road in or or it depends on what you're building. But if you have a road and you've got curbs and everything in there and all the lots are split, you can now sell that and you've land developed it. Uh, and then the last step would be, you know, obviously construct constructing it up. But yeah, it, it, you can get creative throughout the process, which is another reason I like the the build model because if you get too far in, the the profit margin doesn't look like it's going to hit where you wanted it to, or simply you just need the capital for something else. You can offload to to the point that you've gotten to to another investor who can take over. Right. Yeah, I love it. I love the opportunity to do that. We're in the process right now. We own a couple acres infill in a prime yeah. Cleveland suburb and it's right by the water. It's one block from the lake. And that's exactly where we're at. And I've yeah. never done new construction. You know, we've done 4,000 yeah. apartments and 19 syndications, but I've never built anything. So I have a little bit of heartburn still over how does it all work and exactly how is this yeah. going to go? Cause we've just never done it before. I have a lot of confidence that we'll, we'll, we'll get it right. We've got a lot of professionals, builders, designers, yeah. our team that, you know, see it through, but it is nice to know that there's places where you can pull the parachute, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent, which which you can't necessarily do that in a, if you're buying an already set multifamily, right? I mean, if you're buying a property and, you, and you're not buying an under market value, you know, you've got to ride that out or improve the value somehow, increase rents or something to get the value up. But in the build, again, you've had a, you have a bunch of different steps you have to take. And don't get me wrong. It's so tedious. Like there's just so much work like a lot of paperwork, a lot of meetings, board meetings, planning board approvals, so much stuff that goes into it. And that's why it takes 24 months. But again, at each stage, you're able to sell if you need to. Got it. Yeah, I love it. Love it. So Ryan, you know, you're, you're developing now. You've done you know, $15 million worth of real estate that you've bought. You've helped other investors do 
over $10 million worth of deal flow. But it didn't all start that way, right? You started from, from kind of scratch, like most people. Yeah. Tell us about the early steps and kind of what are some things that were pivotal moments for you uh, to not only go from zero to start, you know, getting to $15 million worth of, of deals, but then also like as you look to make this next pivot, what are, what are some of the things that were early challenges or challenges that you faced and how did you get through those? The biggest thing for me was lack of capital. And the challenges have changed throughout the course of my journey here, but initially it was lack of capital. I was 21 years old. I was about to go either to medical school or to get my master's. And I'm thinking about, you know, okay, I'm going to come out doing X, whatever it is, making X amount of money where I could go flip two houses and do that. Right. So I started really looking into that. Uh, I ended up buying a duplex. I borrowed $110,000 from my uncle, borrowed 20 grand from my parents, combined the two, bought the property, fixed it up, sold it, paid them both off. And I walked away with a, you know, like almost $100,000 check. And I was like, okay, light bulb moment. Right. And so from there, I went from a duplex to a three family to a five family to a six family to a 10 unit. Right. So I just kept going up in the amount of units per building because I saw that the more units under one roof, that the numbers started to look better. And also the price per unit started to drop because there were just less of them, right? So when I bought that 10 unit, we bought it for 80,000 a unit. When I bought the three unit, it was like 140,000 a unit, right? And so also commercial lending came into play at that point. And commercial lending, obviously, you know, um, for people who don't know, commercial lending is so much easier than residential lending. uh, lending. You can be so creative. You can pull money from anywhere, partnerships. it's, It's really about the asset that you're buying. Uh, instead of, you know, how much money do you make? Let me see your tax return type deal. Yeah. So money was really my issue at first. So I really had to master creative financing. So I've done literally everything from private money, hard money, seller financing, the deal we're doing right. I I have a 12 unit under contract right now. They're giving us a $200,000 seller credit because it's Boeing walls, right? So just like random things like that, that you have to get creative. I've got this saying like, be stingy about how much money you put into a deal and really try to focus on how creative you can actually be with each deal. Because in my opinion, in your 20s, it's really difficult to scale a rental portfolio or, or any business, it doesn't even have to be real estate, if you have to use all of your own capital up front. And I, I'm, I'm not saying be reckless and borrow people's money and do crazy things. But if you have a solid deal, you have good mentorship, you've got a partner maybe who knows what they're doing. I, you know, That's what I did. I, I started to take the leap and I would you know, borrow money and, and pay people back and, and just start leveraging real estate through that way. Are you ready to automate and explode your real estate investing? We're searching for extremely motivated individuals who are sick and tired of wasting time and want to finally see real results from their real estate investing business. We're searching for investors looking to get to the next level and become a bigger, better version of themselves while being a more successful real estate investing entrepreneur. Apply for mentoring and coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. That's joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. That's great. So tell me about that. So many people have heartburn over raising money, (laughs) borrowing money, recruiting capital. Yeah. We've raised and recruited over a hundred million dollars. I don't have any heartburn over it. Matter of fact, it's I feel like it's my superpower. Like it's ultimately it's the rocket fuel that makes the rocket go. And I'm responsible for buying or creating the rocket fuel in our business. So I love it. Like I thrive in it. Other people are deathly afraid of it, right? And for you in your 20s, I was a financial planner in my 20s. So I got comfortable 
being around money, talking to people about money in my 20s, it's probably one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given is to, as a very young age, get comfortable talking about money and talking to other people about their money. Sounds like you got very comfortable with that also at a young age. Um, just talk our audience through that. Like a lot of times it's just a mental barrier. They just don't, because they haven't done it, they don't think they can do it. Yeah. How did you overcome that challenge in your own mind? So that, that was me, right? It was, okay, if I borrow $100,000 from this person, I am now responsible to pay that $100,000 back. I don't even have $100,000 in my bank account, right? How, how the hell am I going to do that? And so for me, it was the partner that I had brought in on my, one of my first, no, my, it was like my third or fourth deal. His name's Mike. He had already had like 50 units at the time. And he is, he was already comfortable with this. He was also a financial plan, uh, advisor. And so when I brought, I brought a deal to him and we, I essentially raised the money for that. And he really walked me through, you know, listen, like the asset is going to pay for the, for the debt, for the interest that you have on it. We're going to go in we're going to rehab it. We're going to refinance it. And within, you know, 12 months, we're going to have a, that balloon payment will be paid off. Right. And so I was sort of leveraging his knowledge when I first started and, and leveraging other partners who had already done it before. And once I did one and I got over that mental barrier of, okay, yes, I'm responsible for the money, but we just bought an asset that's going to completely pay for that debt. I just started to like, I was like, all right, this is genius. Like, this is unbelievable. I can do this at a large scale. Right. And so that's the way I look at it now. I look at the asset that we're purchasing is, is really responsible for paying that back. And so if you're buying a good enough asset and you're making sure that it's a really good deal, that mental issue goes away because you don't feel the weight on, on your shoulders anymore to make those payments because you know the cash flow is going to pay for it. Yeah. What I, what I, what I just heard you say in a, in a different way is even though you didn't have the money, the deal had the money and you kind of placed your confidence in that you bought the right deal. Yeah. Right. Instead of saying like, I've got to come up with a hundred thousand dollars. It's like, let's add one additional step in the middle, which is I found the right deal. That's going to support that hundred thousand dollar investment. Mm-hmm. Or I found the right deal. That's a $10 million investment, an apartment complex or whatever. I have a hundred million dollar deal in Houston that I own. It's like, I've had a lot of success, but can I just pay back the hundred million dollars? The answer is no. So <laughs> I was confident in the underwriting, the team, the deal, the pro forma, the business plan of that transaction to say, yeah, we're going to go buy this $70 million asset. We're going to go mm-hmm. get another $8 million for CapEx. We're going to recruit some money from private investors and family offices. And yeah, I'm freaking responsible. Me and my other GPs are responsible. But it was now the confidence was really placed in, did I buy and structure the right deal? If you can offload your confidence onto the deal, which is kind of Ryan, what I heard you say, like you built confidence in the deal you bought, the deal could support the money. Mm-hmm. That's where I think the leverage becomes in our own minds to get comfortable borrowing the money or having equity partners, those kind of things yep. is in getting the right deal and being yeah. really dialed in and confident that you found the right deal. That's going to support the private investment. Yeah, 100%. I, I couldn't agree more. And also the other thing for, for people who are trying to start out and they're afraid to raise money, if you're trying to grow a business, I don't care what business is, like look around at the largest, the, the biggest businesses you know, the most successful businesses you know, they all raise a ridiculous amount of capital to get where they're at. Like it's impossible to do it all yourself. And so that like was a sort of an eye-opener to me when I was I started looking into like Walmart. Like they all raise money. Everybody raises money to grow, right? It's the only way to scale. Uh, yeah. and so you know, we take that from starting with a hundred thousand and you know, and now we're trying to start a fund right? A $25 million fund to start to ramp it up a little bit. And so it's the same concept though, right? So we have to find a really good deal 
and you raise money and you have confidence in that deal, combine the combine that capital and, and you're, you know, not only are you making money yourself, but you're providing everybody else uh, a great return in, in the meantime. So, yeah. Finding the right deal, placing your confidence in the deal is then going to give you a sense of personal confidence to go pitch the deal, recruit the right. money and recruit the next deal. I watched this series. I think it was on Amazon Prime. It's the, it's the series about Uber. Super pumped. If you haven't watched it, Ryan, you, my audience, like you have to watch this series on, uh, I think it's on Amazon Prime about, it's called The Battle for Uber. It's a lot about Travis Kalanick and the, the, the growth and the buildup of Uber. But to your point, the first several episodes is about all the funding, like the different rounds of funding. And, you know, Travis is a different animal. His level of, of confidence and cockiness is like just through the roof. And of course, it's Hollywood. So even though he, he's well known to have this overabundance of self-esteem, they put this in the movie and you can realize like he's even to the point where he's like, I have such an amazing freaking company. I don't care if you've got $250 million. I'm going to pick and choose the investors that I want in my company. Mm-hmm. Right. And ultimately, when you get to the point, and we've done this a little bit in our business, you've created this almost exclusion mentality where I know I've got an amazing apartment complex or I've got an amazing build to rent opportunity. And you, Mr. Private Investor, have to qualify to work with us. Now, all the leverage is in your, on your side of the table, right? Because it's like, I've got $5 million of investors. I only need a million bucks to fund this. Why are you one of the million dollars of investors that I should pick? Then ultimately, like you're, you're, you're sitting in the pot at the end of the rainbow. You don't just see the pot. You're just literally sitting in the pot and you can pick and choose who you get to work with. And a lot of it, again, comes from, I've got so much confidence in my deal. I don't know if I want you as an investor. Like I'm only going to pick yeah. and choose who I want to work with. Yeah. Well, to, to kind of leverage off the, your point right there. We both know that having the wrong investor in a deal can make a deal a disaster or a super big headache, right? So it's it, while they're vetting you and your deal, you also need to be vetting the investor very carefully. Uh, and it's not so it's not just about how much money they're putting into it. You know, like for us, it's we're looking for people who relatively want to be hands off, right? Okay, you want to set up a call. We can chat about the property, what's going on. Uh, we'll walk you through. But as a GP and as as an operator. It's on me and my partner to run the deal. So if we're if we have investors coming in who are trying to essentially control everything, it becomes very difficult, and it's just not people that we want to work with, right? So have, having the right investors on board is just as important as finding a really good deal. No doubt, no doubt. Awesome stuff, Ryan. Great pieces of advice there around raising capital and confidence in your deal and selecting partners, selecting the right investors. Um, a lot of good nuggets there. Any other pieces of advice for our audience now that we know, you know, you kind of started from zero, got that first still done, a little bit of, you know, help from mom and dad, help from the uncle, the whole piece it together, do the yeah, first deal, yeah. make the first hundred. Now you've bought $15 million, $20 million worth of real estate. You're doing these, you know, basically build to rent communities and different things like that. You've obviously had a lot of success in a short amount of time. What What else can you pass back to our audience? What else can you tell them? Things that you've done right, or maybe things that you've done wrong that you've learned from. Yeah. So let's start with things that I've done wrong, uh, and then we'll get to the right. So things I've done wrong is I tried to focus on way too many things when I first started. Like like I didn't know what I wanted to do, and so I was just dabbling in everything, and I was not working. Like none of it was working. I looked into short term rentals. I backed out of a Hawaii condo. I looked into commercial, like you know, retails. I backed out of a retail deal. 
And then I stumbled across multifamily and then I, I figured out, okay, this is the path. And I just hammered it, right? And so when you're starting, it's really important to fully, really focus on one thing and really dive deep on that before you start building a bunch of other bridges. After you have that one built and it's functioning on its own and it feels like second nature, it almost gets boring. You want to try something else, that's, that's fine, right? But to start, it's super important to really focus on, on one thing. And I did not do that. Now I'm at the point where, okay, if I want to dabble in something else, I'm happy to do that. But I understand that I, you know, I have the 200 units that I are just there, right? It's all working. I don't have to do anything with that stuff anymore. So yeah, that I, I didn't do that at first. I probably could have saved myself a couple of years by really focusing on one thing. But the number one thing that I would say to anybody at any stage is the most important thing is to really find good deals. And so having a really good pipeline and having a network of, of people who can help you find those really good deals is the most important thing you can possibly do. There is no real estate. There's no company. There's no money if you don't have a really good deal. So I know a lot of people say, okay, well, having the money is the most important thing, but you can't move that money if there's no deal. And so I've always focused, whether it was the first duplex I bought or for this fund or for, for build to rent, it's always, all right, how can I find the absolute best deals? Who do I need to be sending me leads? What, what type of marketing can I do? Just basically building this massive funnel. And at any stage, it doesn't matter what stage you're at, you have to have that perfected. Otherwise, your, your business is going to start dwindling, right? You, you need to have consistent good leads coming in. I love it. I love it. Yeah, a lot of guys talk about the money first, right? And a lot of guys talk about got to find the deal first. And we all know at the end of the day, they both have to arrive correct at the same time, right? <laughs> Closing, which is you got to have the great deal. You got to have the money and it's got to come yep. together. I have a, a $6 million apartment, kind of a small apartment for us. We're actually closing next week. And uh, we had to renegotiate at the very last minute because there were some problems with some of the leases. Mm-hmm. We ended up working through that. And it's a classic case of we found a great deal. We recruited all the capital. Now... We've got a great deal. We have a sophisticated seller, sophisticated buyer, sophisticated brokers, really smart lender. Everything is there. It's all arriving at the train station, if you will. You got five different trains arriving at Grand Central at the right place at the right time. It's just a beautiful thing when it yeah. all comes yeah. together. Yeah. The, the thing the thing I want to just harp on for a second is that you can't be good at all of those, right? So you you can't really be good at finding deals and also be good at being a lender and also be good at raising the money and also be, you know, it's, it's really difficult to do that. So it's super important that you have a team. Uh, and so all I meant before was that my, what I'm really good at and what I stress is finding a really good deal and I leverage everybody else for everything else. So, I mean, I have good relationship with lenders and stuff like that, but you know, I have partners that raise capital. I have, you know, you have to have a team and this is not one individual person that's able to do this. I just happen to excel at finding really good deals. And when I bring those to the table, Everything else falls into place. Yeah, I love it. Again, I give I give this talk around the traits of elite entrepreneurs, and the bonus trait is to be super niche. And Ryan is it mentioned that several times. His super niche, his superpower is finding great deals and doing the marketing and casting a wide net, evaluating a lot of deals, finding an amazing deal, and then JVing and partnering to kind of round out the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. So Ryan's living that all day. It's fantastic stuff. Ryan, listen, thanks so much for joining us today on Accelerated Investor. I'm sure our audience will want to connect with you after the show. Um, So where can they connect with you on social media, your website? If they want to invest with you, you get coached by you, do a deal with you. Sure. Um, So I'm actually just starting out my social media. I've had a bad relationship with social media my entire life. I just never used it. But I really, I see everybody else crushing it. And I'm like, wow, these guys are growing their business like crazy just from social media. So 
RJ Corcoran 08 at TikTok and Instagram. And then I have a YouTube channel as well. Uh, I can send you the link after just to put in there. But um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, if, any, if everybody wants to go follow, make some comments, some likes, <laughs> hopefully you can learn something. That, that's the point of it. So I love it, Ryan. Awesome stuff today. I appreciate you sharing. Thanks so much for joining me on Accelerated Investor. Yeah, really appreciate it, man. This has been awesome. Well, there you have it, guys. Listen, thanks so much for joining me again on another episode of Accelerated Investor. Don't forget to smash down on the subscribe button right now. Don't forget to leave us some ratings and reviews and share this all over social media. I would be so grateful for you that have left us ratings and reviews recently, that have left us comments, that have shared this all over social media. It's just, this is kind of a a pet project for me and a good time for me to share and learn from uh, all my different guests and share with all of you. And so when I get new ratings, reviews, subscriptions, it really makes me, fills me up with gratitude, fills up my heart, knowing that people are enjoying what we're sharing and enjoying all the different guests that we've had. So thanks so much for being here today and we'll see you next time. Take care. You were just listening to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. If you enjoyed this episode and learned something new, help us build the AI community by leaving a review and five-star rating on our iTunes podcast channel. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode. To see passive investing opportunities, visit freelandventures.com passive. To start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of with multifamily apartments, apply for one-on-one -on -one coaching with Josh at www.joshcantwellcoaching.com. Josh Cantwell Coaching.com.